What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode five of Tongues Out, the hockey show. I'm your host, Tyler Briggs. We've got a ton of things to get to. I wanted to record this yesterday, but let me tell you, I went through probably one of the worst things ever yesterday. I sat down here, I pulled out the laptop, uh, I went and got my coffee, I was good to go, and I heard a noise coming from the fridge beside me, and I was like, what the hell is that? And so I got up, and I bumped the coffee table, and I got coffee on the laptop, and man, it, at that second, it felt like my world was over, my world was ending, uh, called up a buddy, he told me, you know, just put it in, uh, put it in the, put it in a bag of rice, and hopefully it'll dry out, and so I did that, I left it overnight, I was actually supposed to have a guest come over and, and do the podcast yesterday, but because of that, I, I was unable to get him, and won't be able to get him today, but... Holy shit, thank God, woke up this morning, and sure enough, the laptop turns on, no problem, just had to shake a little bit of rice out of it, and I was good to go. So, today's Sunday, June the 24th, uh, as all of you guys know, the draft went down the last couple days, and started off a little bit slow the first day, but kind of pick, picked up on the second day, which is kind of untraditional, but that's just the way it went this year. I know the media kind of builds up the draft to be this big freaking thing where there's going to be all these trades. There's going to be more trades than Trade Center and all things like that. Uh, but before we touch on the draft, I figured I would uh, jump into the NHL awards a little bit. Uh, that went down uh, in the middle of the week uh, in, in Las Vegas before ev everything shifted to Dallas for the draft. Um, just kind of want to touch on the award winners. Uh, I won't spend too much time on it, but uh, taking home the last award of the night which is the most important one and the best one that we're going to talk about here because Taylor Hall took home the heart over Nate McKinnon. Taylor Hall plays for the New Jersey Devils which are my favorite team. Uh, the Norris Trophy, Victor Hedman, he edged Drew Doughty in a pretty close vote uh, to go along with Hall and McKinnon. Those two were super close. The Vesna, Pecorine took it home and this is a prime example where it's uh, too bad that they only count the regular season because uh, Winnipeg's Connor Hellebuck was up for the award, and we all know how that playoff series went against Nashville this year. So, I mean, props to Rene for winning it, but same time, I mean, Connor Hellebuck had 44 wins this year. That was the most of any American-born goalie in NHL history. So it was, uh, wasn't was as close as, you know, I might have thought, but uh, I think Andre Vasilevsky was in there too. Uh, the Masterton Trophy uh, went to... Not Dan Boyle. <laughs> the Masterton went to Brian Boyle. Uh, the Masterton is uh, awarded to the player who shows, I want to say it uh, is for dedication to the sport of hockey and perseverance. Uh, not those exact words, obviously, but uh, Brian Boyle uh, endured a, a type of blood cancer this year, and uh, he started the season off with 10, 10 goals in his first 25 games, and Brian Boyle is traditionally traditionally known as uh, a checking center. So that was a huge start to the season for him. Scored a couple of emotional goals. I remember even having goosebumps myself. And then Connor McDavid, at least, uh, of course, he cleaned up with the Art Ross Trophy, the Ted Lindsay Award, which is also uh, uh, a lot of people say it's kind of the same thing as the heart, but uh, to, to help you guys differentiate, if that's even a real word, <laughs> the Lindsay is awarded to the most outstanding player as voted by the players, where the Hart Trophy is awarded to the player deemed to be the most valuable to his team. Um, and this is voted on by the by the, uh, the professional writers. Um, 
So not exactly the same award. McDavid actually wasn't even up for the heart. But uh, moving on, this, the best defensive forward, Anze Kopitar, took it from Patrice Bergeron. Uh, a lot of people thought Bergeron probably didn't play enough games to win the trophy, and sure enough, that was true. And then, of course, the Lady Bing went to William Carlson, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, this is kind of a kind of a toss-up. I think Alexander Barkov was also up for this award. Uh, that's a tough one. You know, it's Judge, uh, I want to say, how do I put it? Uh, the player who who shows the most sportsmanship, the most gentlemanly player. There you go. And, I mean, I think Ryan O'Reilly this year had like two penalty minutes all season. Uh, Barkov only had a handful himself. So this is this is kind of a tough one, but we'll give it to William Carlson, who had a wicked season. And then, of course, uh, probably... The biggest one of the night, uh, the Willie O'Ree Community Service Award went to the late Darcy Hogan. Uh, he was the coach of the Humboldt Broncos, and I think everybody's aware of uh, what happened back in April. So uh, the Humboldt players were on hand. Uh, Darcy's wife spoke um, and uh, accepted the award. So pretty props to the NHL for for bringing out the team and having the having Darcy's wife there. That was a very special moment and probably the most memorable part about the, the NHL awards. It uh, doesn't get any worse than what Humboldt had to go through there. So, yeah, that is the summary of the NHL awards. And next we will get to the draft. I know a lot of people are experts on this subject. Uh, the hockey insiders, obviously, and the scouts and everybody else kind of provides the best info on the draft. And so I'm going to be up front with you guys. I maybe watched a little bit of the Memorial Cup this year, like a couple half games. But uh, I didn't get a chance to watch any junior hockey this year. Uh, well, obviously the World Junior Championships. So. But I'm going to be the first one to tell you that I'm not an expert on this stuff. I'm just going to kind of break down what went down yesterday. So the first day, everybody kind of thought there'd be a bunch of trades, but nothing really happened. Uh, I think the only trade that went down, uh, the only noteworthy trade that went down was uh, the Caps that shipped Brooks Orpik and Philip Grubauer to the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for a second-round pick. Uh, right away, Colorado said they would be buying out Brooks Orpik, which I think a lot of people started scratching their heads at, like, what the heck's going on here? But... Orpik had himself kind of a kind of an ugly salary. He's he's a little bit older. I think he's about thirty eight. So Colorado buys him out, and now he's actually eligible to re-sign with Washington for a little bit less money. So that's Colorado doing them a huge favor, um, but at the same time picking up a solid goalie as Jonathan Bernier would be leaving. So that would leave if they can sign Grubauer. I think he's a restricted free agent. If they can sign him. And then they can go with the tandem of Grubauer and Varlamov. But anyways, uh, we'll get to the number one overall pick. The Buffalo Sabres have kind of been, well, for lack of a better word, the Buffalo Sabres have been shit over the last few years. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets took advantage of them with a trade, sending them Evander Kane and Bogosian a couple years ago. I know you guys remember that one. See you later, Evander. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Buffalo... Ever since their owner, their owner, what's his name, Terry Pegula, ever since he took over, kind of tried to, kind of tried to buy success with the, uh, you know, with the franchise, and so he went out, 
I remember this is years ago, but I remember him signing Vili Leno. I don't know if you guys remember that name. They signed Vili Leno, and then they signed Christian Ehrhoff to these ridiculous deals. I I don't have the exact number in front of me, and then that of course didn't work out. They tried buying a coach. They tried bringing in Disco Dan Balsma, and that didn't work. I think he's still on their payroll, and I believe he just what did he sign? Is he an assistant coach in Detroit now? Something like that. But anyways, so Buffalo tried to tried to maneuver their way to to kind of skip the rebuild and you know have success quickly and they were they weren't able to do that they they totally blew it so they draft Rasmus Dallin with the first overall pick and man I really hope they don't <laughs> sounds like I'm ripping on Buffalo but I really hope they don't ruin this kid so a lot of people are kind of comparing Dallin to Nicholas Lindstrom which which is a fair comparison. I mean, he's Swedish. He is an and this is and not taking anything away from Dalene. He is he is was the best player in the draft according to all the experts, um, and he's probably going to jump in right away, and uh, be a difference maker on this team. But it's it's super important to realize that that uh, when comparing him to Lidstrom, Lidstrom came into a pretty good Detroit Red Wings team back in ninety one ninety two. He was paired with Brad McCrimmon, uh, the late Brad McCrimmon, who passed away in the uh, the Russian plane crash a couple years ago when the, the whole team passed. But, uh, yeah, he played with Brad McCrimmon. Uh, there were some other great players on that team, like Stevie Eisenman, Sergey Fedorov, Bob Probert, Steve Chason, and Jimmy Carson, you know, Ray Shepard. I can name the whole team. I'm not going to do that. Uh, he was He was insulated by strong players strong not only strong players but strong veterans so Lidstrom really had a chance to succeed right off the bat uh when you talk about Buffalo I mean their starting goalie Robin Leonard who has been solid the last couple years he is he's uh he will not be tendered a qualifying offer and he'll he'll be headed to free agency uh they're trying to trade Ryan O'Reilly apparently so like what does that leave it leaves Jack Eichel and Rasmus Ristolainen I think Jason Pominville's there. There's not there's not a lot there in Buffalo. So I really hope that I, I Buffalo sucked for so long. I just really hope that this franchise can turn it around and uh Rasmus Dalling can really be the difference maker. But I think it, the the number one thing is these guys gotta get some these guys gotta get some some backup there. Some some players to help this pork get out because uh, he's not he is not going into an en- enviable situation. They don't even have a they don't even have a goalie. I'm pretty sure their backup goalie is a free agent too. So help is on the way, Buffalo. I hope. I also hope that Jason Botterill can, uh, the, he's the new GM there now too, uh, can kind of clean, clean up the mess that Tim Murray left him because uh, it's quite messy. The number two overall pick, uh, of course, went to Carolina, and this one was predictable too. Uh, they drafted the Russian Andrei Svechnikov from the Barry Colts. This was a pretty easy pick. Uh, I think everybody kind of, Kind of knew what Carolina was up to here. Now, the third pick was Montreal, and nobody nobody kind of knew what was going on here. There was a lot of people saying that Montreal would reach and draft Jesperi Kotkaniemi with the with the pick here as the centerman. I know Montreal is definitely lacking in the center department. Montreal's lacking in a lot of departments, but uh, so a lot of people kind of thought they would reach for the center. Uh, there was also Brady Kachuk was available, Philip Zadina. Those were kind of the kind of a couple of the players that were ranked a little bit higher uh but Mark Bergevin of course uh screws everything up here well I mean I'm not saying he screwed up the pick but I mean he definitely 
screwed up the, the top 10 picks because teams were, I don't want to say they were scrambling, but all of a sudden I'm the, I'm sure the GMs were kind of licking their chops and, and rubbing their hands together with uh, what was falling into their laps after this. So, of course, Montreal picks Jesperi Kotkaniemi. I nailed his name two times there. I don't know if you guys heard. I'm sure you guys heard that. Uh, and then uh, that left Ottawa to draft Brady Kachuk. They got him fourth. So uh, he is the highest drafted Kachuk. Uh, his his older brother, Matthew, was drafted by Calgary two years ago. And then, of course, his dad, Keith, who we all know here in Winnipeg, was drafted. Uh, I want to say it was in 1990. He went 19th overall to the Winnipeg Jets. And then, of course... Uh, Arizona kind of got in on the action and drafted Barrett Hayton with their fifth overall pick. And by now, teams are going, holy crap, Philip Zadina sure has fallen here. And uh, Detroit, uh, they happily drafted him six overall. And I'm not going to go pick for pick here with the next one uh, and the next couple. But uh, the New York Islanders were kind of... They're sitting at 11 and 12, and lots of people thought, oh, maybe they'd be trading a pick, and they'd be getting in on... Uh, Maybe Eric Carlson in Ottawa. Maybe Ottawa wanted to move in to uh, get another pick. Or maybe nobody really knew what the Islanders were going to do. But uh, uh, from being a Devils fan my whole life, I know Lou Lamorello usually doesn't screw things up. I know kind of uh, in his last couple of years with New Jersey, it, it almost kind of seemed like he was asleep at the wheel a little bit. But uh, the Islanders uh, couldn't lose here. <laughs> As uh, Oliver Wallstrom kind of fell into their laps uh when who I read that uh, he's got the best shot out of uh, any player in this year's draft cl class, so that's a pretty big one to land him at number eleven. And then of course uh, they drafted Noah Dobson right after that from the Acadie Bathurst Titan, and uh, Dobson said to be the best pure defender of the draft. So I'm not gonna kind of not gonna go one by one here, but uh, you know I want to say uh, I want to say yeah. Um, New Jersey drafted Ty Smith. He was a D-man from Spokane, so uh, I was happy to see my Devils uh, with a good pick there at 17. And then uh, Ryan Merkley was drafted 21 by the San Jose Sharks, and I've kind of heard that Ryan Merkley could be one of the biggest reaches of the of the first round, so for them to take him at 21 was a pretty big move. We'll see if that one... That was a bold move, Cotton. We'll see if that pays off. Next, we'll talk draft day winners. Uh, the obvious winner of the first round, uh, I would say, would be the Detroit Red Wings, who who managed to get Philip Zadina uh, with the six overall pick. Uh, I think that was surprising to a lot of people. A lot of people had Zadina even going third, but of course, Mark Bergevin, like I said, he kind of screwed that one up. Did you guys see, <laughs> before I, I, I leave this topic, did you guys see the two, the two old fans in the Montreal jerseys and they were recording... The draft pick, and when Montreal picked Kotkaniemi, <laughs> the lady put her phone down and she goes, "What the?" <laughs> and she looked at her husband, and he's just shaking his head. So that pretty much sums up the fan base in Montreal right now. So uh, we're not going to call the Montreal Canadiens winners <laughs> in the draft this year. Um, uh, I would say, I would say, the Edmonton Oilers could also be winners. Uh, they they picked Evan Bouchard 10th. And uh, the only reason I'm going to say the Edmonton Oilers won this pick was because this kid looks like he can step in right away. I mean, <laughs> Evan Bouchard looks like he's older than me. He's already a man, this guy. He's probably got back hair. Like, <laughs> Sorry if, if you don't, Evan, but uh, I don't mean to be spreading rumors. But, uh, yeah, 
he looks like a guy who could step in right away, and that's exactly what Edmonton needs. They're done with their rebuild. They've, well, I mean, they had what they thought was a good core as they made the made the playoffs two years ago and went on a pretty good run. So, uh, but when it comes to teams reaching uh, and picking guys like Jesper Kotkin, the Emmy third, I'm always reminded of the NHL draft in 2011 in Minnesota, and that was, of course, the first year, uh, the first year. Uh, with the Winnipeg Jets back in the league. And so me and a couple buddies, Don and Tim, uh, we drove down to Minnesota to, to check out that draft, and we were watching it live, and great time. Uh, I definitely recommend you guys heading to a, head to a draft one day. Uh, but anyways, so the Jets were picking seventh, and I'm going to try and remember how this kind of went down. So I want to say Ottawa made the pick before Winnipeg at six, and they drafted Mika Zibanejad. And at this point... Uh, Sean Couturier uh, was probably one of the higher-ranked players uh, halfway through the year. I think he was even supposed to go, go first overall or close to first, so maybe second or third at one point. Uh, that, of course, was uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins going one and Gabe Landeskog going two. But uh, he was right up there, and so he kind of fell a little bit. He was a little bit older than the rest of the players, uh, or he had played longer in the, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, so... I think a lot of teams, they'll make a safe pick when it comes to drafting uh, versus uh, kind of reaching and going for like the raw potential or the the untapped potential, I guess you could say. And so when Chevy stepped up uh, to pick at number seven, we were already chanting, we got Couturier, we got him, we got him. We, we, we knew they were going to take Sean Couturier. And then, of course, Chevy steps up and announces that they were the Winnipeg Jets and everybody's cheering and cheering and it was we were all going nuts and then of course they draft this kid named Mark Shifley from the Barry Colts and we all looked at I remember I remember looking at even people I didn't know beside me we were looking at each other like who and then of course Bob McKenzie uh later we'd watch the recording on the TV and of course Bob McKenzie's breaking it down saying that Shifley was one of the quickest risers late in the year and you know he he had a lot of untapped potential and uh I, th- I can't remember what they had him ranked it was probably around like 20 or something 20th so he was sp- Winnipeg really reached for this one and as it looks right now Shifley is one of the best players in that draft um Winnipeg I want to say and ever since then it's looked like the Jets have known what they're doing with their first round picks and I I, I want to say on every not every single one but a lot of them I'm just been like what like when they picked Truba ninth, it was like, oh, we don't need a D-man. And then we picked Morrissey the next year, and it was like, we just got Truba. We don't need another one. So sometimes sometimes it's tough for uh, people to understand uh, the scouting side of things. Um, these these player, or these scouts and the guys that go to the, their games, they they know their guys. And I think... I think Boston picked after, oh, of course, Philadelphia picked after Winnipeg, and sure enough, they draft Couturier, and, you know, no disrespect to Couturier, he's turned out to be a pretty wicked player, he was actually up for the Selkie Trophy this year, and then, of course, Dougie Hamilton goes to Boston, who we will touch on shortly, as he is does not play for Boston anymore, and he also does not play for Calgary, but, uh, yeah, the, you never really know what's going to happen at the draft, it's uh, it's tough, you could, you could know exactly what you're doing, player could uh, end up getting injured, and his uh, career would never pan out. So it's really tough. Like, like I said, you know, I I don't claim to be an expert on these kind of things because uh, I don't watch enough of it. I don't do, I don't watch enough uh, 
WHL games or CHL games or whatever. So we'll leave it to the professionals here because uh, and and we'll leave it to guys like me to break it down to you guys listening to the pod. Like I said, the draft, the first day of the draft wasn't that busy. So I'm going to talk about some, I'm going to dig into the random shit pile of things that went down during the week. Of course, Barry Trotz won the cup with the Caps and he apparently earned himself a two-year extension, but that wasn't enough. Apparently he wasn't making enough money, understandably so. I mean, he's a Stanley Cup winning coach. He's coaching league for 19 years. So Barry Trotz decided to take his talents elsewhere. He took it to, uh, Took it to the island where uh, my my guy, Lou Lamorello, is calling the shots now. So Lou and Barry look to turn things around there. So good luck to them. Not too much luck, of course, because they play in the Devils division. But uh, Mike Hoffman, uh, we all know the story that I talked about in episode four. But uh, Mike Hoffman uh, was traded from the Ottawa Senators to the San Jose Sharks. And, of course, was quickly flipped to the Florida Panthers uh, for uh, a pile of draft picks. So... GM of uh, San Jose making Pierre Dorian of Ottawa looked a little bit silly with that trade, but at the same time, I mean, Ottawa was a little bit handcuffed. So, at the end of the day, Mike Hoffman's a Panther, and Mike Hoffman is no longer an Ottawa Senator, and uh, I think that's the main thing here. So, moving on to draft day, of course, Ilya Kovalchuk, another one of my uh, my favorites. He signed with the LA Kings uh, to a th- he signed to a three year contract. With an average annual value of six point two five million, he's thirty five years old and he had sixty three points last year in fifty three games with uh, uh, SKA Saint Petersburg or SKA as uh, they're they're called. He was also the Olympic MVP as the Olympic athletes of Russia took home the gold. Uh, he's gonna fit in with uh, Anze Kopitar or Jeff Carter. Doesn't matter who he plays with, but uh, I know a lot of people are saying that. Oh, you know, he's pretty comparable to Patrick Marlowe. I man, I got a feeling that Ilya Kovalchuk, oh, I, when he left the league, he was he was better than Patrick Marlowe. This is gonna be a big deal for the Kings, and I kind of expect them to be finishing at the top of the Western Conference next year, as they still have a number of good players left. This will be a big move because they couldn't score a goal against the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round of the playoffs. So. Uh, John Tavares, uh, with with Lou and Barry, Barry. I'm I'm referring to them. Uh, we're on a first name basis. Uh, <laughs> Lou Lamorello. Uh, he's looking to sign John Tavares. He's looking to get him to stay in New York. I I think it's gonna happen, but even if it doesn't, I mean Lamorello knows knows this situation before. He's been an NHL executive for like for like 80 years <laughs> actually he's he's all he might be 80 i don't know if he's 80 but uh he's been an executive for like over 30 years uh you know he's seen guys like scott niedermeyer walk scott gomez walk martin broder he's dealt with late in uh contract signings and patrick Elias, of course and if there's anything lamorello understands is that it's not the end of the world even if a player of his caliber like john Tavares, even if a player of that caliber leaves so uh, it sounds like Tavares is going to speak with five teams uh, during the interview period, which is uh, which is allowed now for the unrestricted free agent. So sounds like he's going to talk to a couple teams. You know, Toronto is going to be in there, the Sharks. Uh, God, I saw the list. I, I don't remember any of the other teams. I, I, I'm not going to speculate. Throw you guys for a loop. So Tavares 
is headed for unrestricted free agency along with John Carlson. He's going to utilize that time too to, uh, and I mean, these players are all-stars and they're going to get paid. So they might as well take their time and see what the, see what kind of offers out there. I know a lot of times they'll say the money doesn't matter, but at the end of the day, you're going to take 10 million over 8 million. And I don't really care who you are. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, the day was kind of lame. And then on the second day, there was finally a trade to announce. But uh, that wasn't Gary on the podium to announce that one. <laughs> like he does in the, in the first round. The Carolina Hurricanes got together with the Calgary Flames. They made a, made quite the deal. Carolina sent Noah Hannafin, defenseman, and forward Elias Lindholm. Uh, and coming back from Calgary, heading to Carolina, was Dougie Hamilton, Michael Furland, their forward, and uh, prospect Adam Fox. And I think the best part about this trade was that uh, I got to break it to my buddy Cody. And, uh, oh, man, he was not too happy. I know Cody likes to wear his Dougie Hamilton jersey around. Shout out to Cody. But uh, much like I said on the last episode, how uh, uh, everybody should hug an Ottawa Senators fan. If you see my pal Cody strutting around uh, West Winnipeg here, maybe uh, – run up and give him a hug because I know he's having a tough time getting over this trade as his uh as his boy Dougie is headed down to Carolina so sorry Cody Dougie Hamilton is a Carolina Hurricane uh at the end of the day it's it's tough to say who won this trade because Noah Hannafin's only 21 he's gonna be a hell of a defenseman I um he logs some serious minutes but at the same time Dougie Hamilton did the same in Calgary I know Calgary was after they picked up Travis Hamanick last year, they were said to be... People were thinking that Calgary had the best defensive corps in the league. They had Mark Giordano, Dougie Hamilton, Travis Hamanick, uh, forgetting the guy, uh, TJ Brody, uh, Michael Stone, of course. What's up? Another Winnipeg boy. <laughs> so, obviously, things didn't work out in Calgary last year. Actually, one thing I kind of forgot to add was that Bill Peters, Carolina's coach, actually went to Calgary in the offseason. So... I've got a feeling that Bill Peters' fingerprints are all over this trade. He liked he liked this guy Hannafin, and he obviously liked this guy Lindholm. Those two should fit in well in Calgary, but uh, losing Hamilton is going to suck. Losing Michael Furland, who's a good kid, another Manitoba kid, that one's gonna that one's gonna hurt. And as for Adam Fox, I mean, he's just a he's a prospect right now, so who knows what you had there. So there are the randoms from the shit pile. Um, yeah, actually, quite a bit went down. Hey, holy crap! Wow. Before I close things out here, uh, I just want to touch on a couple things that I missed. Uh, probably the most important news of the last couple of days, but the Phoenix Coyotes, sorry, the Arizona Coyotes are bringing back the old Kachina jersey. Now, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with this, but that was actually the black and green jersey with the kind of the cartoon looking coyote uh, with the hockey stick. Uh, probably one of my favorite jerseys of all time. I know a lot of people are obviously bitter about the Coyotes after the Winnipeg Jets left to go to to Phoenix, but and probably, you know, probably thought the jersey was ugly, looked like a Mexican blanket, whatever. But uh, in my opinion, probably one of my favorite jerseys of all time, so I couldn't be more excited that they're bringing that jersey back as a third. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks, of course, unveiled their third jersey too, and they brought back the Mighty Duck logo, which is unreal. Uh, the Hurricanes revealed theirs. Not, nothing really too different than their third jersey a couple years ago, so uh woohoo there but uh the jets are going to be unveiling their third jersey there's going to be a bunch of other teams i think i think my buddy timmy told me there's going to be about 17 teams unveiling the third jersey so just kind of wanted to touch on that and i also want to say thanks to my friend 
Adam Rehill for consoling me yesterday after I toasted the laptop with a cup of coffee. I was pretty... Oh man, I was out of it for a couple hours. I was pretty disappointed. I mean, man, I got baby pictures on here. <laughs> There's a lot of important stuff on this laptop. And of course, my girlfriend, uh, Adrian, is like, oh, it'll be okay. It's just a laptop. It's just a laptop. And of course, you know, you can still say, uh, even though it's cooked, you, you'd be able to get the pictures off. But my initial thought was like, oh man, we just lost everything. So uh, awesome that the laptop's working today. Sorry I couldn't get the guest on that uh, that I wanted to. Uh, I'll have him on to, to talk, hopefully during the next episode. So uh, everybody keep listening. I love, like I said, I love doing this. Uh, this is a ton of fun. Uh, hopefully I'll have a, a, an official logo for the podcast soon. Uh, the podcast is available on all for, uh, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast except for Spotify. So if you, if you got Apple on your phone, you can find it on Apple. If you got a, whatever the hell that other phone is, an Android or a Google or whatever the heck it's called, I don't necessarily know. But uh, yeah, you can get it on, I think it's Google Play is the name of the, name of the app. It, I, it comes on your Android phone, whatever the hell that is. But uh, but yeah, everybody keep listening. Uh, share it with all your friends. Share it with people you work with, your, your parents. Uh, always remember to shoot the hockey. This is Tongues Out. Peace out.